Hello and welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. This is Marco Sparks. And today we're talking about S2E9. Picture this. It's the title of this Pretty Little Liars episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is a pretty fun episode. It I I almost felt like we were getting a, a revelation about uh, what exactly goes on in Arya's and Ezra's relationship in this episode, but then they, they pulled it right back. Yeah, it was it's something. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk uh, about that in a bit. Uh our opening here is uh Arya's getting down in a sex stream with uh, her two boyfriends. Well it's yeah, it starts off that Arya and Ezra are finally doing it in his bed and then uh, the alarm goes off and But the Ezra way it's I just want to say the way it's uh, portrayed, it's not like they're finally doing it so much as like this is like some like Saturday morning like some Saturday morning fuck action going on. Like it wasn't like this is the the special first time or anything. No, no. But I mean, like from the audience thing, it's just kind of like you're watching this scene. And I feel like as an audience member, even if you didn't know this was a dream, your first initial thought is. We never see this. Mm-hmm. This kind of has to be the first time that we, the audience, have yeah, yeah. But yeah. Ezra kind of leans out of uh, out of camera angle to hit the alarm, and when he comes back in the angle in the frame, oh shit, it's Jason. And and obviously it's a dream now, as you couldn't t- guess before. But Arya reacts just kind of like you know, all right, let's keep going. Yeah. And then uh, Arya wakes up for real. Yeah. And has it just a, a curious look on her face. Hmm. Why did my brain do that? It must be Jason's fault. Yeah, exactly. Arya's absolutely not at fault for things that her own head comes up with. Because mm-hmm. there's probably like eight or nine different personalities rattling around inside of there. So then we cut to uh, some more Candy Striper action. Where you've got... Speaking of wet dreams, we've got Emily and Hannah in Candy Striper outfits. They're both uh, keeping watch outside the morgue. Presumably Spencer's inside doing some sleuthing and uh some brief talk about how emily doesn't want to see a dead body even though she likes zombie movies doesn't want to be in a zombie movie then some nurses come by so they have to make some real like nurse conversation oh i love this line (laughs) Hannah says so i was telling the patient two on two i am not shaving that (laughs) emily has a really funny reaction to this like just her face she's just like wow it's like what the hell hannah (laughs) Mm -hmm. like that that's where your brain went hannah okay so they finally haul spencer out of there and uh emily surmises that someone must have gone in there before them because she can't find page five from the autopsy report spencer does and spencer immediately goes to somebody like jason you think there was something in here that he might that might have nailed him yeah they can't Uh find the missing page of the autopsy report and spencer is just the, the queen of jumping to conclusions here she's just like Jason might have had access to a hockey stick, which may or may not have been the murder weapon. QED, Jason's a killer. Well, and starting off the episode, mind you, we're like in the minute three of the episode, maybe minute four. Mm-hmm. And on the scale of one to ten of how much Spencer suspects Jason DeLaurentis at this point is like 12. Yeah. I mean, it is up there. The needle is just broken on the dial. Um, And so Hannah points out, again, that really the only evidence we have against Jason is that he's a creep. But before they can really dive into that juicy subject, the elevator doors open, and there's the fucking Jenna thing. Jenna walking out, being blind, uh, talking to the nurse who's guiding her about this operation she's going to have that will help her see again. And that, of course, of course, the liars, they just like kind of like lean out of the way. They don't say anything because they never do until yeah. it shows up. Uh, they just lean out of the way and uh, watch her walk by and you know scowl at the, the very idea of her having her sight back. I just, I absolutely love just the way that they'll just freeze and stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's blind. She can't see us. Oh, God. Yeah, the absolute, like, like disgust and horror on their faces at the idea that Jenna thing might get her fucking eyes back. Um, which we'll find out more about later. Uh, so, we to talk about Miss Arya. I think we have to talk about Arya here. Uh, she briefly, there's a scene with her and Emily where she says she doesn't know what's up with Mikey. Uh, and then Jason walks by and kind of like creepily stares at her as, she, as he's walking by. So she waves at him. Yeah. Uh, and then Emily picks up th- about her weirdness. Uh, Emily, by the way, still thinks that Jason's just a creep because she's, she's Spencer. So, uh, mm-hmm. they're both on that wavelength of like anti-Jason. 
And, but she picks up there's something weird with Arya, uh, and so Arya admits she had a, a sex dream. And I like how Emily's like, oh my god, how could you? Yeah. And Emily's just like, or Arya's like, I'm not responsible for what my brain does when I'm asleep. Or what my brain does when it's a different personality. Yeah. Like A. Yeah. Emily is really disgusted by Arya's wet dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, Arya yeah, seriously, that- Jason? I mean, yeah. yeah. Arya points out that Jason is no more dangerous now than they thought Toby was a few months ago. And Emily points out there is a little bit more evidence against Jason now than there was against Toby, like a la a murder weapon. Also, Jason, uh, I just, I don't like him. He's like, he's too creepy. Like, Toby's face makes that unfortunate face a lot, but I find Jason to be creepier. And he's older, too, so he's a little more threatening. Toby's entire face is an unfortunate face. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a hideous Halloween mask of a face. Uh, Jason, yeah, just looks like he's not getting enough oxygen constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but Emily kind of nails Arya to the wall with uh, her surmise that uh, Arya likes Arya likes guys that who are mysterious and wounded, and she likes to fix things. Yeah, Arya likes to fix things, uh, but Emily's just like. I won't talk about your uh, sexy dream to anyone else, but you stay away from Jason. Yeah. She also wonders, why are you dreaming about Jason when you already have Ezra? Or Arya says she doesn't have Ezra, which just, whatever. What the fuck do you want, Arya? Exactly. Do you want this guy in prison? Will that make you happy? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, when he's writing letters to her and only her, Mm -hmm. uh, she's off, like, nailing the rest of the town. But yeah... uh, She's a little frustrated because now that, you know, he's teaching at the college, which is what she wanted for him. I always love that she's taking complete ownership of his career move there. Mm-hmm. It's not like the college offered him a job. It's, it's like Arya made that happen for him. Yeah. Because that's what she wanted for their relationship. But uh, even though she bitched about it happening at the same time, but now she has yeah. what she wanted, but it's still not what she wanted because she didn't magically turn like 21 at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Um and so Emily suggests that, you know, they just need to find a way to connect again. Um, so the next scene, which I just wrote yes. down, slutty Arya. Yes, like like miniature vixen Arya. Arya walks into uh, Fitz's office at college, and she immediately, like, looks like she just came from the sauna or something. She's all, like, yeah. sweaty. She's like, it's hot in here? Is it just me? She's like, are you are you hot, too? He's like, well, I am now. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh my god, this is awesome. I'm going to get fired and go to jail. Yeah. yeah. And she does the thing where she's just like, how do you lock this thing? And she's closing the door. She's, her voice gets all husky, too. You know, she's like, how do you lock this thing? And, this and thing? it's just like, there isn't a lock. And she's like, fine. And like, blocks the door with a chair. Sure. <laughs> a classic. <laughs> well, she like takes off takes off one shirt. She's got mm-hmm. like, some kind of like lacy thing underneath. Starts kissing him. And he's like, oh, I just remembered I have class in 15 minutes. And she's like, that's plenty of time. Wink. Well, and at this point, I'm like, wait, how are they not boning yet? Like, what, what is going on here, show? I just don't understand what, what I'm supposed to take from this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw the episode of uh, South Park where the internet goes out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Randy doesn't get to jack off for like two weeks. Exactly, like, yeah. Esther <laughs> would destroy her, I think, at this point. But she she looks like a like a Barbie doll version of like a like a sexy little vixen. That's what how I would describe Arya. She's so tiny. Yeah, and so she basically just like you know attacks him on the couch, and then it just cuts away, and it's like, well, what the hell are we supposed to assume happened at the end of that scene? Exactly, exactly. Well, but what's interesting too is for the first at least thirty seconds to one minute of that scene. It's only like a two minute scene of that. Like you're really thinking this is another dream scene. Oh, exactly, like, exactly. Really, I have that you're written really down. Thinking that he's he's about to turn into Jason again because she seems so incredibly out of character. She's like cartoonishly horny, and you're just like, all right, this is a dream too. Let's we're like, where's the uh, where's the turn gonna come in here? Where suddenly it's no. Jason, and you're like, no, wait, that that wasn't a dream. You just cut away from that scene. I don't understand. Or if the show was really bold, Arya would turn into Jason. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're thinking through the whole scene that that's just another dream sequence, and then apparently it isn't. You're like, what the hell's going on in that relationship sexually? Yeah, I just yeah, you're wondering what's going on, and especially the way the scene ends. But they they further throw a wrinkle in that later. But so anyway, so the next scene is Ezra's presumably coming back from the class. They had to go. Oh around. no, there's there's one other scene where uh, 
Arya is on the phone with Emily about uh, something that A is going to make Emily do. And Arya, she she throws out this claim that A has messed with her relationship, too. Nope. And this is not supported in the text. Except for when A uh, gets uh, Noel Collins suspended. Yeah. A has only intervened in Arya's relationship once, and that was to help them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, I find that suspicious. I also find the way she asks how Emily's stomach is a little bit suspicious. Like, she changed the subject, like, how's your stomach? Well, she's not... Granted, she's not emoting at all throughout this entire, like, interactions with Emily in this episode. But no, she's not at all, like, sympathetic to what Emily's going through. I mean, Emily's going through some serious shit in this episode, and Arya's just kind of like, ha-ha, ha-ha, I've got Ezra, and I'm also boning Jason in my dreams. Yeah, A has Emily over the proverbial barrel here, and Arya's just like, yep, that's what it sounds like. Sounds like you're fucked. Yeah, exactly. I'm no gynecologist, (laughs) but you're fucked. So after Uh, she gets off the phone there, uh... Ezra comes back as Arya's, like, putting out a bunch of, like, shit she got from the vending machines. And she's like, oh, we can finish our talk now. And Ezra's like, is is that what that was before? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's, like, basically saying, like, what's up with you being, like, so horny all of a sudden? And she's just like, oh. She's like, nothing, nothing at all. Why don't you decant the cream soda? Which just, yeah. man, that is just so awful. Just, uh it might be one of the worst things Arya's ever said. Yeah, the 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 trying to act like this is a, a romantic adult dinner that came mm-hmm. from a wedding machine. And she's camped out hidden in the office of her lover who's way too old for her. But Ezra, he's he's suspicious here about what's going on with uh, this crazy chick he's dating. But I think he's I what I can only assume is like all the BJs he's getting are making all those concerns go away. I mean how how else do you explain that really? I don't think he's getting BJs, though. I think he's getting HJs, because I think Arya wants to see more clearly the look on his face. Of yeah, how she'd probably give him me an doing. HJ. Yeah, think mean. By that. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Lots of, like, that right there. You wouldn't. Yeah, lots of clapping and stuff, like smacking it. Mm-hmm. Maybe putting make, it in a make drawer it hurt. slamming yeah. the drawer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arya stepping on it. Oh. Like Japanese shit. That's what Arya's doing. Because she looks like an anime character. Mm-hmm. So, oh wow, thank you. Maybe <laughs> soupy like to slurp. <laughs> so then we have another scene where it starts off with Arya and Ezra in bed. Well, this is where it gets really confusing because Arya says, This is so worth the wait. And exactly. you're like, Wait, what? Like, it really seems like you banged in the last scene, but now you're saying that you didn't. I'm so confused. It's like the writers are looking at the audience. And we know we're one third of the way through our second season, and mm-hmm. you're wondering if these two are having sex, and we're aware that you're curious, and we're just going to kick that question down the road a few more, <laughs> a few more weeks. So apparently, the uh, the word for God here is that uh, they were intentionally making it uh, vague at first, but it would be cleared up later in season two, is what the the writer said at one point, mm-hmm. the showrunner, to be specific. Because they're clearly not having sex. Well, I mean, that line would seem to indicate that, no, yeah. they haven't yet. They've been waiting. Yeah. So me and HJs, I guess, is what we're assuming. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. but they're not actually banging here either. It's another sex dream. Because uh, I thought it was interesting that uh, this happens when Arya looks in the mirror. She's looking in the yep. mirror with Ezra like lying on bed in the bed in the background. He looks down and looks back up, and now it's Jason behind her. And he says to her in the dream, you can't stop thinking about me, can you? And then she wakes up. Well, the interesting is that there's actually a cut there where she it's not like all one shot. Like she looks up and it cuts to a different angle. So it's like a, a an angle from the right and then an angle from the left, uh, which to me is a hint at her dissociative disorder. <laughs> and then she wakes up in bed, uh, big, wide, shocked eyes. And then there's a ding dong doorbell wet. There's a a look on her face that says she wasn't entirely not enjoying that dream. Exactly. Exactly. And she's it's a look on her face thinking like Jesus. I hope that whoever's at the door is not here for me because mm-hmm. I've got an appointment under the sheets here. Um. 
Later on, when she's talking to, I think it's Emily, she yeah. says she would prefer a nightmare about spiders to a sex dream, which I don't think is mm-hmm. true. And I like how, I love this, uh, Emily dropped some wisdom on Arya here. It's the kind of wisdom you'd only drop on a narcissistic sociopath. She says, Arya, when people show up in your dreams, it's not because they want something from you. It's because you want something from them. Which, which Arya immediately comes back with, I have Ezra. I don't want anything from Jason. And Emily's look on her face is like, yeah, right, bitch. I mean, the fact that she needs to spell that out to Arya. Yeah. Like, Arya would normally be thinking, well, if people are showing up in my dreams because they want something from me. Well, I mean, let's look at these four girls real quick. Let's look at Emily's role, especially. Granted, mm-hmm. obviously, Emily's the same person as Spencer, and Hannah's the same person as Arya. Emily's the sweet version of Spencer. Yeah, but I mean, Emily... Let's say that Emily wants to say to one of the other girls, hey, I know we're all friends and all, we don't really talk about this, but Arya's a total fucking psychopath, right? Right? <laughs> Who is she going to say that to? Spencer? No. Spencer's nuts. <laughs> yeah. Hannah? No. Hannah's nuts too, and she's Arya's other half. Mm-hmm. I mean, who's Emily going to say this to? Emily's like, I'll just keep that to myself. That's just one of those other many, many, many things that I will just push way down. Because mm-hmm. I'm the nice yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's killing me. Uh, so then we cut over to like another subplot, which is kind of interesting because I feel like, like, this subplot kind of started like halfway through the episode. It seemed yeah weird to me in a way, but yeah, Ella and Byron are worrying about Mike. Um, what's going on with him? And Ella's talking to Mike's guidance counselor on the phone about how her and Byron are going to kind of take turns, like making sure they're always around Mike, keeping him home from school. And Byron kind of comes home in the middle of this conversation and is just like, "Oh, are we?" <laughs> well, I found this whole subplot interesting because. I feel like we're supposed to think that Byron's being a little too, like, pushy or whatever. Yeah. Um, even though, I mean, I think he's already demonstrated that he's one of the worst parents on the show. And yet, in this particular instance, I do kind of feel like he's right. But it's like he has he has no ground to stand on the show. He's already been presented as so compromised that, like, we're just not prone to trusting him, even when he's, like, uh, trying to, like, do the good parenting job. Right, well, so... As I understand it, the classic two-parent, man-woman, parent model is supposedly that the mother is supposed to hold the child close, give it the comfort of home, the safety of home. The father's job is to slowly push the child out the door and make it ready for the world. Well, that would be the stereotype, that's, sure. That's that's a stereotype. And it kind of applies in the situation where Ella, at the start of this, is very seriously concerned about what's going on with Mike and that she doesn't really necessarily want him to go back to school because when he's at school, he's zoned out. He's not paying attention. Well, is waste of time, and and Byron wants the situation to be over. He wants to get back to normal. Well, wants to get Mike back to school. Byron very correctly says, "Why are we indulging him? Like, why does this kid get to keep staying home from school because uh, he was a bad kid? You know, like it's like how come he's coming out ahead in this?" So Ella's like, you know, we don't need to be alienating him. Uh, so so Byron goes up to Mike's room, which is the door's locked. Makes Mike is like sitting in bed under the covers, staring off into space. It's like catatonic almost, wrapped up in a blanket, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he has to get up and unlock the door, let Byron in, and Byron's trying to communicate with him and, like, turning on the lamp. And Mike- Well, he, I think Byron sees very quickly, like, there's something weird with Mike here. And so he, he kind of eases up and softens, and he's just like, look, like, we uh, really need to talk, you know? Yeah. Um, so before we get back to that, so later Arya's dressed... <laughs> she's dressed now and she's coming back in like downstairs. a clown outfit yeah yeah it's like uh if you if you murdered a clown cut up his clothes and then made a dress out of it that's what exactly mm-hmm. um she comes bouncing down the stairs she's all happy and giddy and oh shit there's jason in her house he's just like there like it's like her dad let him in or something like that yeah, hanging around being creepy what i love is that, is, is that the dad let him in and told him that Arya will be down any minute Mm-hmm. But never told Arya. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> like bounced or something, you know? She's like, I gotta yeah. go. Whatever, you weird 20 something we, guy, I'm gonna leave in my house. We had this weird catatonic boy upstairs in his room, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jason stopped by to bring Arya a card for a therapist? It's like something? a counselor or something like that. Some, yeah. some person for Mike to talk to, but Arya just kind of clams up and is like, well, I hope you didn't tell him too much about her family, blah, blah, blah. 
But really, I think that's just a defense for like not wanting Jason there. So she makes up some really bad lies about needing to study for tests. Well, it gets worse though. She's she's clammed up. She's kind of made it more about herself at one point because he says that he knows that she's you know concerned about Jason. She's like, mm-hmm. I was concerned last week. <laughs> now I'm something else. Um, then he touches her arm. Super awkward, gets- like like hand on the arm yeah well i yes and no i could see where from his perspective it's just kind of a he's trying to obviously initiate some kind of something between them but it could be just yeah, a he, he a holds gentle, it there he holds it there too long well she gets super flustered and she does everything she can to get him to leave uh making up excuses that are just comically bad mm-hmm. like like oh i've, I've got a i gotta study for a test i have tomorrow and he's like but then he makes it somewhere? weird by yeah he makes it weird by being like well isn't that teacher teach this subject instead it's like dude just get out obviously she wants you gone well it, it's it's the scene it doesn't quite play like jason's the bad guy in the scene because it's still kind of funny obviously we know that he's being a creep i felt the like the time, the hand on the arm was just creepy as fuck what, what I mean is that you might as well give in, like, Arya a bunch of plates that she's trying to, like, juggle and she keeps, like, for fear she's going to drop them all or something. Because that's how, how ridiculous she is. She eventually pushes him out the door. She's, like, got all of her books that she needs to study for one hand. She gets him out the door. to where He's just standing outside her door. There's a giant window in it. And then once he, the door is shut, she's like, ooh, finally. Sets the books down at the table and mm-hmm. storms off. Uh, well, I think she it's funny. Is the sillier looking one in this scene? Though. I think it's funny if you consider just purely by their actions. If you go by actions only, the uh, the creepiest people on the show would be Ren and Jason. I would say, but Ren gets away with it via his accent, and Jason gets away with it just by being like weird and zoned out constantly. So you don't really notice it the way you do when like Ian, on the other hand, acts normal, but his normal is super creepy. The only thing that Ian could have done that would have been even creepier is if he was like constantly like putting on chapstick or something. Uh, Ian um, Ian's normalcy was what was so creepy about him. Uh yeah. because it didn't feel real. But these guys, well, meanwhile, are else, like super creeps, but they get away with it. Everyone else looked at Ian and they saw status quo. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how a person should be in society. Which, you know, which kind of made these girls feel like even more of outsiders. But I mean, if you want to open that up wider, just by their actions. I would point out that Ezra's having a relationship with a 16-year-old girl. Kind of creepy. By actions, yeah. Yeah. And yet he gets away with it as well, somehow. I think mostly because Arya is so much the aggressor in the relationship. I think that's really how they get away with that, if they do yeah. at all. Yeah, which which is funny, though, because she's not legally responsible yeah. for her actions. Well, it's, if, uh, if that had been Ezra coming in, being like, is it hot in here or is it just me? And like doing the thing where he's going to lock the door and like take his girlfriend, that would be like super uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to, uh, Byron, Byron and Mikey here. Byron comes Byron back s- solemnly setting the table, comes back stairs, back downstairs, setting the table, uh, talking to Ella. And he, he basically says that he thinks that Mike is depressed and that he, uh, he had the same look on his face that Byron's brother used to have. Uh, and we get the impression that Byron's brother killed himself. That's the impression you get, yeah. That Byron had a brother who was also depressed and ended up killing himself. And Ella is just like, he's not your brother. Like, she, it's like, and, uh, he, Byron's basically like, I think Mike should talk to someone, and Ella's just like, ah, fuck that. She's like, NBD. Which, yeah. like, what the fuck, Ella? Like, they'll send their own daughter to a shrink just because they think one of her friends is a liar. But uh, your own son is showing signs of depression, and you don't want I just him wanna, to see a shrink? I want to make two notes in this scene. Number one, Ella is clearly Arya's mom. Yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Well, it's almost as though she, she's disagreeing just because it was Byron who said it. Yeah, maybe, maybe. She's supposed to be the one at the inside because mm-hmm. he was, you know, previously so against what she was coming up with. But I, I, I want to praise this, this simple writing of the scene. They never have to talk about Byron's brother committing suicide. Because they, they, basically this conversation is written like, like I think a married couple would actually speak. Yeah. A married couple that already knows each other's history. It's implied and enacted in a way when, when he said, when Byron, you know, Chadlow says he reminded me of my, my brother, you're like, you kind of just connect the dots on your own there. Well, I think a lot of times we get exposition that spells things out a little too mm-hmm. much. It never feels naturalistic. With this, I think this suits an audience more 
because the audience feels that they're a part of all this already. Well, I think a lot of the exposition we get is trying to like quickly sum up whatever mania Spencer believes for this week is going on with like the A plot, you know? <laughs> it's like who who's this who's the killer suspect and who's the A suspect for the week? They all have the exposition that at the start of every episode. But I'm just saying that you know, if you're gonna if you're a con man and you're gonna con somebody, the best con is the one where you lay out a few details and then your victim puts together the trap in their own mind, you know, and they sure. walk themselves into it. With writing in fiction like this, I think the best kind of exposition is laid out bare bones like this. The audience gets much more invested in a story in which they're intuiting what's going on rather than being told. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it's, it feels weird because it's such a minor scene in an episode of Pretty Little Liars <laughs> to be pointing out how all exposition should be delivered in fiction. But anyway. Um, it's a sneaky smart show. Yeah, yeah. So later, my Arya notes cut off pretty in the next few minutes. But later, Arya is walking down the street after dark, and Jason pulls up alongside her in his uh, his convertible, almost um, as though he were like tracking her down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get into this, but he mentions that he had to go buy a padlock for his shed since someone broke into it. So she's immediately like, "Well, it wasn't Mike. Mm-hmm. He's been in his room for a while." Um. Meanwhile, we find out to cut to across the street. Garrett and Jenna are parked down the street watching them from Garrett's car. And Jenna's worried that uh, Arya and Jason are going to hook up and that Arya will start asking questions about that night and that Jason Jason might remember remember. something. Um, But what's so wonderful with this scene is that Garrett has to tell Jenna everything that's going on Mm -hmm. because she's blind. And eventually she's just like, you know what? Forget it. I'll have my sight back soon and then I'll have all my powers. Yeah, she's like, I'll be able to see for myself. Mm-hmm. And Garrett's just like, hey, Jenna, that really hurts my feelings. <laughs> you know that this is the only thing I'm good for here, is telling you what's happening. And she's like, don't think I'm not aware of that. Yeah. Um, and so then Jason, very creepily, acknowledges that uh, he's not just concerned about Arya's uh, brother. He cares about her, too. And he, like, really creepily kisses her. And she, like, she lets this happen. And she lets him kiss her, and then she puts up the stop sign. She's like, yeah. this isn't right. I'm not available. It's almost like she, that whole thing, she she let it all go down just to know that it was there, and then she could say no. I think that if, you know, there had been something more in that kiss, I mean, I think Arya could have been convinced. She's a girl who likes to have her options, but mm-hmm. nope, no spice there or whatever. So she was like, yeah, sorry. And so that's uh, about the end of Arya. We'll pick up stuff related to her later. But uh, let's talk about Hannah. Please. Hannah's been avoiding her dad's calls about uh, the wedding. Apparently the new stepmom wants her to be a bridesmaid and Hannah's not interested. So she's still pissed at her dad. Well, the impression that we get is that it's not like Isabella, the the stepmom-to-be, has asked her, will you be a bridesmaid? It's more of an about, when are you available for a fitting for your dress? Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it would be assumed. Mm. I don't know. I hate weddings. Uh, We'd have to ask Peanut about that. Yeah. So, uh, turns out that guy that's been following Caleb around is a PI for Caleb's mom. Caleb's mom has uh, been looking for Caleb and Later on, I, I should say Hannah's stuff's pretty short in this, so we're probably gonna rush over this pretty quickly. Later on, they've like Googled Caleb's mom. They find out that she's like rich and lives in Montecito, California. Claudia uh, Dawson. She has two kids, so Caleb has two half brothers, apparently. And Hannah points out that she's really pretty. Hannah's, uh, she's like, it's, she's trying not to, but she's kind of being a neg here. Yeah. Like, she can't help but, uh, say like uh kind of negative things at each detail that caleb like happens upon and so caleb like he's just kind of like his his mind's all over and he's like let's uh let's get some food and he's like oh you know what i'll i'll, I'll go pick some up and he leaves <laughs> never comes back yeah yeah he's um so later on uh she finds him in a pretty creepy looking playground i thought as he's just kind of like sitting on the swings of his thoughts and she sits with him and they talk He's upset that his mom went out and had 
two other sons while he was in foster homes. And never came back to get him until yeah. now. <laughs> he he wants nothing to do with the mom. He doesn't want to go find her. He doesn't want to find out these details. So Hannah kind of preaches to him that he needs to at least hear her out so he'll know what's going on. And well, that he, she, she better to out, Better to know than just be left wondering the whole time. Yeah, she points out that the worst thing that could happen from him meeting her is that he never has to talk to her again. And the best thing that could happen is that he might actually get to know her, which is, you know, not bad advice. And you can tell it's it's painting painting Hannah to uh, give this advice because she knows she knows where this is going to lead. And sure enough, uh, the next time we see Caleb, he he shows up to tell Hannah that he did call his mom and like they had a really good conversation. He's not coming over to watch the Katy Perry concert. No, he's coming over to say goodbye because he's leaving right now because his mom booked him a flight and uh, like a driver and everything to go to the airport. Which is, yeah, which is crazy. Well, the mom's rich, apparently. So It's like she's flaunting the richness. It's not even like you pick a, catch a flight tomorrow. Hey, right Caleb, now. Caleb paid his dues. And he's, uh, he's, Caleb's sporting some manly tears in this scene. Yeah, he's, but he's waited 12 years. He doesn't want to wait one more day. Mm-hmm. But you could also say you waited 12 years. He could wait another day. Just yeah. saying, just saying, Caleb. Although I too would uh, bail on a Katy Perry concert for sure. I think Hannah could have been talked out of the Katy Perry concert, probably. Especially if he was like, "Hey, I'm leaving in the morning." He's got his mom on the phone, and he's just like, "So, uh, what's gonna be? You know, because I could leave now, or I could leave tomorrow." He could do the Bond thing where he's on the phone. He's just like, "I'll fly out tonight," and he looks over at Hannah. And he's like. Make that tomorrow morning. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Pick me up at 8. Make that 8.20. <laughs> Make that 8.05. So, uh, they tell so each other that they love each other. <laughs> yeah. And there's some kissing and then he's gone. And Hannah can't really be too mad about this because, uh, you know, it is his mom. Yeah. But that probably only makes it worse because she doesn't really have anyone to be mad at now. Yeah. And so then at the end of the episode, she calls uh, her dad to set up a uh, bridesmaid fitting. That's really all she has for the whole episode. It's just this drama. Just quietly giving in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then there's Emily. Emily's throwing away all of her, uh, like, her lotions, creams, creams yeah. and whatnot. Uh, and Hannah's, too. To which Hannah objects, but then uh, Emily points out, uh, like, back knee and, you know, uh, facial hair is possible side effects of the steroids. Well, so. the reason why Emily's throwing them all out is because they've surmised now that A's obviously snuck in, injected steroids and all these creams, but A wouldn't know which was Emily's and which was Hannah's. I feel like A would know. Yeah, well, I think A would know, but... And Hannah's like, that's some very expensive moisturizer that I stole that you're throwing yeah. away there. But yeah. ultimately, uh, the, the creepy side effects of steroids went out, so they throw everything away. Yep, and then um, Emily gets a text from A, which well, is... The, well, she mentions that she's worried about what A will do next to her, and then as soon as Hannah yeah. leaves, she gets that text, and it's her, like, medical results uh, about the HDH, and it's just like, just just a reminder, I own you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, we want to point out that Emily's a little dismayed that Ari and Jason are so close, let alone that Ari is having wacky sex streams about him. Mm-hmm. Just imagine if that were Spencer. She'd be through the roof. Um, so later at uh, at Hannah's house, uh, Samara shows up to bring Emily some sweets, bring her some cupcakes. And uh, what was the thing about the jalapeno frosting? I, I don't know what's going on. Fucking there. town where their cupcake place has jalapeno frosting. Yuck. And anyway, so the two of them have a little moment, and then Ashley shows up. And Emily introduces, you know, Ashley to Samara, and then all of my slash fiction begins. <laughs> but hold on. Then Ashley tells Emily and Samara because uh, Quinn's mom is sick, and so the ladies' night that all the girls are going to have, you know, uh, or all of Samara's friends and family are going to have is going to be canceled. And so Ashley tells Emily and Samara to have their friends over here since uh, her and Hannah will both be out. And all of my slash fiction continues. Mm-hmm. And actually, after Samara leaves, uh, Emily's like, oh, we don't have to have it here. And Ashley's like, no, like, you should feel like this is your house and also, like, feel okay to be a lesbian. Um, but no girlfriends get- upstairs, just like Hannah is allowed boyfriends upstairs. Ashley, it's like she finds Emily's sexuality as precious and cutesy as Hannah does. Well, it's I- like her and Hannah both treat Emily's lesbian as, like, it's a cute little bunny. That well, I think there's up. an extra element here where the gears are grinding in the back of Ashley's mind as she's thinking, like, man, 
wouldn't have to worry about this chick getting pregnant. You know, like, yeah. you know, you know, she's worried about Hannah getting preggers, but uh, she wouldn't have to worry about that at all if Hannah were a lesbian. <laughs> she, she wants to convert Hannah. I'm just saying it's it's got its advantages, you know. Uh, <laughs> and all of my slash fiction continues. <laughs> so, lesbian poker night. You got some, some yep. quirky hats, some quirky hairdos. Uh, these are the lesbian names in this scene. There's a Zoe, a Quinn, a Samara, and a Bianca. I mean, those are those are some power lesbians there. Zoe just seemed like that kind of spot where like trashy meets Russian. Yeah, platinum blonde, a little too dumb, too something. Yeah, yeah. Um, at one point, Emily gets up from the poker game after she's just been winning because she's like the super lesbian. Mm-hmm. She's serving the cupcakes up that, that Samara brought her earlier. And we get a like, nice little shot to let her know that, let us know that she's being spied on through the window. How could you not know, like, how to play a flush if you're playing poker? I just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, Emily has to point out to Zoe, like, you know, what card she should hold on to try to go for a flush. Yeah. Uh, so as she's getting into the stuff, Emily gets a text from A, which says, if Zoe leaves without your digits, your lab results go viral. <laughs> I like how A works. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to force you to try to go, go around the back on your own girlfriend here with one of her friends. So this is where Emily panicking calls Arya. <laughs> and Arya's just like, yep, Joke you're up. fucked. <laughs> Well, Arya's the only nugget of advice that Arya gives her, which is bullshit, is Emily, you're playing poker. Bluff. Well, there are ways he could have accomplished this subtly. Uh, that is not how Emily proceeds. So nope. eventually, like Emily's just like, "Oh, another round, girls," and they're like, "No, we got to go. We've been playing forever, you know," because she's like trying to drag it out. Uh, so all the another girls are going to take off. Well, she has another text from A. Another text from May just reminding her to that what she better do. Him. Yeah. So she basically is like, after Samara leaves, she's like, "Oh, Zoe, you forgot this." And Zoe's like, "What?" And she's like, "My number." And like, it's so awkward, and like, totally feels like she's hitting on her. Um, this could, yeah. I mean, you could have been like, a, "Hey, that was fun. Like, we should hang out sometime." Here's my number, both Zoe and like other chick at the same time, so it's not awkward. But no, Emily's not good at these well, things. And across the room, Quinn catches her, sees her, gives Sneers. her this gotcha bitch look. Mm-hmm. I'm looking you. at the picture of the lesbian poker night. Um, the one girl was wearing flannel and like a pork pie hat, which is... That's Bianca. Class, yeah. That's classic lesbian look. I'm looking at Zoe's attire. Zoe is wearing like a dirty cast off version of something Arya might Yeah, she's got uh, like Arya's hand-me-downs there. Yeah, cut off like like uh, like cut off jean shorts and like the those big weirdo belts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that was awkward, and Quinn Samara's friend totally noticed. So uh, then Emily's talking to Arya some more, and Arya's like, oh, "I'm sure it wasn't as bad as it looked." It's like, yeah, yeah, it was. You want Emily to like say to Arya, "Why do I even talk to you?" <laughs> Seriously. So, Samara's the next since, time we see her. since Arya then changes the subject back to her wet dreams about Chase. Exactly. So, the next day, Samara is talking to Emily. She's pissed. And she's like, she's like, is this like revenge for the fashion show thing? Like, what the hell's wrong with you? You're like totally like going behind my back to hit all my friends. It's creepy. Well, she's and like, it, yeah, if you're going to date other women, date other women. Don't date my fucking friends. Yeah. And Emily just lies really poorly about her motives. Uh, she's just like, oh, I just thought we could hang out sometime. I want to be friends with your friends. And Samara says, until you give me a real answer, I can't do this anymore. So which long, is, Samara. Which is a, a good point, because Emily's excuse is not a bad excuse. She just delivers it shittily. Well, and she she delivered the initial uh, number giving out shittily. You know, if, yeah. if she'd done it properly, she could have pulled it off, no problem at all, but Emily's Obviously not the good liar. No, she's not a smooth, suave, lesbian, uh, you know, man-eater or woman-eater. Or, you know, Arya would have pulled that off like a champ. 
Uh, maybe Ari would have tripped and fallen the way into it, though. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that might be the last we see of Samara, which is too bad because she was the only. She was obviously like too sensible for Emily to to hang around long term. Well, it was very interesting too because I think Samara went to like a private school, but it might have also been like a college. It was no, it was a high school, but it was uh like another school, not not the same one. But it seemed like it was a private school, like where she had like it was a, like a like a prep school maybe or something like that. Yeah, but they had like dorms and a and a and a curfew, and they referred to it as campus. They had to be back on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so the second main event, which is Spencer. Ah, uh, yes, good old Spencer. Spencer's so, been doing some digging on what the Jenna thing is up to. Meaning, she's been talking to her boyfriend Toby. It's funny that both you and I left the uh, discussion of Jenna for Spencer. I guess our, our minds think alike there. So, I like that they're having this conversation about Jenna thing. Well, Jenna thing is like ten feet away at the next yeah. table, you know, yeah. and they're not exactly lowering their voices. Nope. Uh, nope. So Jenna thing needs to take some more tests to see if she qualifies for a cornea transplant, where they uh, like cut a little flap and replace your cornea. Um, and Spencer's fine talking about this. The other liars are kind of creeped out by it. Yeah. Spencer's not happy about this development, though. And she points out that uh, Jenna could aim a gun if she had her sight. Well, she points out to... This is where, for a moment there, I think you kind of have to lose all sympathy whatsoever for our, our liars. Because Spencer points out that Jenna hasn't come after them for blinding her. Because Jenna thinks that they have Allison's tapes. Mm-hmm. They don't have them anymore. And Jenna will have a much easier time discovering that when she can see again. <laughs> well, and Which is, both Hannah and Arya are like, so does this like let us off the hook if she can see again? And Spencer's like, no. <laughs> like, she, she even gives the metaphor that if you break somebody's arm, even if that arm heals, you can still go to jail for breaking that arm. Yeah. And then Spencer points out that not only that, like you said, with the gun thing, Jenna's going to be a lot scarier when she has all five senses. All of her powers. Yeah, it, It's just kind of funny is that it's it, you kind of have to lose sympathy for the girls for just a moment. But they're not. Like you said, there's another show out there where Jenna's the hero. And these girls are vicious little villains. And Jenna's sitting there like 10 feet away listening to them discuss her uh, blindness and how it's like a bad thing for them. Yeah, and she's just like seriously volume control. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next thing goes, we, the next thing we get, uh, Spencer. I like to think that she does this constantly. She's just like doing yeah. some random spying on Jason next door, like creeping around behind some bushes. Jason's got like a, like a, somebody there like cutting a tree down or something, doing some gardening, and so she's just kind of spying on that and. She notices that, uh, like, the worker dude tries to go into this shed, uh, but Jason, like, runs over and stops him. So there's something, like, kind of suspicious about that. And then she sees that uh, Jason locks the shed and puts the key up above the doorway the on, like, the lintel there. Uh, Convenient. And Spencer's Convenient that she eyes out. narrow, you know, as she uh, ducks away, her spying successful for the day. Which, so, so later, Spencer's in her house. She's sitting on her stair. She's... Like calling Hannah and telling her everything that she's seen. I love the way she convinced. sits on the stairs. She convinces she's hiding, that Jason's hiding something there. Which, first of all, just because of the way so many episodes of season one started, if I was Spencer and I suddenly inherited that house, the first thing I would do is tear those stairs out of that house. Because every time Spencer comes down those stairs, something terrible is I love the way she's sitting on the stairs. She's kind of uh, sideways on the stairs with like her long legs like uh, propped up against the railing. It's just uh, an interesting way for her to have a conversation. Well, I think she's like sitting like metaphorically between halfway between trouble and even more trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so later in the kitchen, Spencer's filling in Veronica on all of this, the shenanigans of that hockey stick. And Veronica is backing up Spencer's dad, suggesting that maybe he thought Ian planted it there to frame Spencer. It's not quite organic, though. It really seems like Veronica's covering something. Although that would be a good explanation all things considered. she's a lawyer yeah. Veronica is a good lawyer yeah spencer asks her mom why her dad is so upset that jason is back and veronica says that all she needs to know is that the dealer and his family is not to be trusted jason included yeah. which is both like setting off alarm bells with spencer and confirming everything exactly i want to point out too she had to call hannah in that last scene because aria was busy getting busy yeah yeah um, so yeah, l- later on, 
Emily's over at Spencer's, and this is after Samara's out of the picture now. Mm-hmm. And she's staring at a picture of Samara on her phone like a drooling creep. <laughs> and Spencer's is, just like, get over it, bitch. Yeah. Well, she's just like, this is seriously weird. We have other shenanigans to work on here. They're waiting for Veronica to leave so the two of them can sneak off to Jason's. And well, Spencer is extremely impatient here. <laughs> she's yeah, like, uh, Mom, there's going to be traffic. And Veronica's like, it's Saturday. And she's like, yeah, but I think they're doing work on the bridge. And her mom's like, no, no, they're not. I was just uh, there yesterday. Yeah, Veronica knows that Spencer is tense. Uh, Spencer is nervously trying to push her out of the house. <laughs> um, but we find out that Melissa's staying at her condo in Philadelphia and that Veronica's on her way to see her. And Spencer says, uh, you know, you better hurry. You know how Melissa gets when her blood sugar drops. Which I thought was funny because uh, we know how Spencer gets when her blood sugar drops. <laughs> So as soon as Veronica's gone, Emily's like, what's going on? Do we need to introduce you to decaf? And Spencer's like, no, it's too late for that. <laughs> too late for that. Spencer's on a mission. I want to point out, the outfit Spencer's wearing here, it makes her look super skinny. Like, uh, it has a... Uh, it's it's loose except for in the middle. It has, like, a tight belt on it. Like, she looks so skinny. Yeah. Well, plus, so, yeah, the, a, lot of, a lot of her outfits in this episode, like you said, show off her incredibly long, thin legs. Mm-hmm. So it's time for some B&E at Jason's. Uh, we get a, a new nickname for Spencer here from Emily. Jane Bond. Jane Bond. Because <laughs> Spencer's just like, don't worry about it, like, Emily. I got this covered as they, like, run over. They're sneaking in with, like, flashlights. And Spencer just what I love about gets the key off the lintel and, you know, opens the door. Well, just the logistics of filming this. When they leave Spencer's house, it seems like it's it's well well lit outside. Mm-hmm. By the time they get over to Jason's shed, it's pitch black dark. I think they had to put on their uh, sneaking around outfits and get flashlights. I would love that there was like a 25 minute gap where they had to go put on special outfits and get their flashlights and stuff. I think you can And maybe do like a is. photo shoot of selfies while they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Maybe update Instagram that they're doing this. Um, put on yeah, like Emily's special warning. raccoon eye makeup. Yeah. Oh, please. Emily is warning Spencer and all my... All my slash fiction begins. Emily is warning Spencer that breaking the shit is not a great idea. And Spencer's like, it's okay. And Spencer's like, it's too late for that. Yeah. Uh, so they discover that Jason's shed is now a dark room. Yeah, that's what's actually going on there is it's a dark room, which then we can understand why he wouldn't want to let uh, somebody else in and ruin the pictures. Uh, the- but the pictures that they see, first they see it's a bunch of close-ups of like some beast on lips and whatnot, and like some mouths and whatnot. But then they they realize that uh, these are all of Arya sleeping, sleeping, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. They they start going through Jason's camera equipment there. Which I'm is impressed that these girls even know what a dark room is. No, his camera equipment, which is all meant for surveillance, or as Spencer puts it, spying on people, not just for photography. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Emily, Emily hypothesizes here that Jason is only getting close to Mike to get close to Arya, which is kind of true, as he says later. Yeah. yeah. They hear a noise outside. They assume that Jason's home, so they sneak out. They literally run out of the shed moments before Jason comes back. And he but goes. Emily, Emily leaves her flashlight. Yeah. Finds the flashlight there on the floor. Yeah. Jason comes in and sees the flashlight, and, and then he picks it up, and it does that creepy thing where it, like, it like kind of jump cuts to a closer zoom of Jason, and then jump cuts again Sometimes. to a closer zoom. Yeah, as he they, looks super creepy. They're they're playing around with that a lot with the camera movements and certain things. Like uh, again, like the switching angles during the well, one, the, uh, the score is the score is working pretty hard at this point the too. Boom, boom, yeah, yeah. They do, they'll do that one more time in this episode. But yeah, so then we get a scene where Emily and Spencer are at Spencer's house. They're trying to each call one of the other girls mm-hmm. while talking to each other about how sick Jason is. Oh, and we should uh, point out that the scene where Arya talks to Jason is after they find this stuff. So after yeah. they found like all these like weird creep shots of Arya, then there's a scene where Jason kisses Arya, and it's like super weird. And we also know that this is why he needed the padlock for his uh, dark Yeah. Room. Um... I mean, we also see that this is where Hannah is so distraught of Caleb being gone that she calls her dad. But uh, so Emily and Spencer, when they can't get a hold of the other girls, they decide to go back to the shed. Of course, because uh, Spencer sees that Jason's gone. Again, car's not in the driveway, so time to go back. Uh, this time because the key is gone. Can, well, they figure they can go steal the photos because that's the easiest way to convince Arya that Jason's a creep. Because they know they'll need to convince Arya. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, this time the key is gone, but the door is open. And uh, they open the door, and the shed is now completely empty, except for that flashlight, which is uh, kind of positioned pointing straight up. Yeah, and on. Which, I don't know how Jason moved those like big-ass like tables out of there that quickly. But Well, see, this is, this is where I want to talk about. Okay, so then we get the A tag, mm-hmm. where A is in her own dark room, mm-hmm. developing pictures taken of Spencer and Emily when they were in Jason's dark room, which, for a moment, meta. Well, so, I, it should be mentioned, when Emily and Spence were first in the dark room there were like these jump cuts and like noises of a camera shutter which yeah. weren't all just uh like formalist i think you're actually supposed to take that as like there was a camera going off yeah, uh, yeah. in the background while that was happening so now we see that which the camera took a picture of, of emily and spence in the dark room. room once the dark room has been empty we see there's not a ton of room for where a could have been hiding so good on you a it could have been rigged it could have just been I mean, the camera was like motion so rigged or something my question for you, and maybe we'll find out more in the next episode, is mm-hmm. are we led to believe that there's some ambiguity here, that, that Jason removed all this stuff, or that A maybe removed some of this stuff? That's a good question. Um, they, they kind I, of have some, I have some thoughts on it, but we can't talk about that right now, because it involves spoilers. Okay. But um, that is a good question. Are we supposed to intone that uh, A maybe helped move? this darkroom equipment like like would jason be surprised if he went back to his darkroom now and saw that everything was gone i don't know yeah i mean would he just assume that the same people who broke in before now or, or did he move everything? it and and then just separate from that age just happens to have their own darkroom you know or jason moved everything and didn't realize that certain things were stolen by a we don't know could be yeah i mean i, I could buy that a had some sort of like motion sensor rig set up to take a picture of whoever like came into the dark room and then just went and retrieved the camera. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was our A tag. And yeah. that was the episode. Fun episode. I It almost <laughs> seemed like we were going to get answers about uh, what exactly is going on in the bedroom with Ari and Ezra, but then it just got nope. mur- murkier. Just n- The mystery continues. Mm-hmm. So the next episode, S1E10, Touched by an Angel. The, the A stood out, obviously. Yes. Sign A, Joel. And, uh, yeah, we will talk about that next time. Mm-hmm. Alright, till then. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye.